It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There's no such thing as moral victories in the Iron Bowl, but man, you got to be proud of the fight and these Auburn Tigers. And boy, what a crazy next few months we're about to have together. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. And for the last time this regular season, when it comes to football, Dale Daprich, a Montgomery radio vet, joining us to break down everything that happened yesterday, both on the field and off the field. First things first, we'll talk about the Iron Bowl, Auburn Falls, by a strategic 22 points. Um, which is what the line that online was, which is fascinating. They continue to nail it. It's incredible. But I think the big thing, Daryl, I can't, and I hate to be this guy, but I'm about to be. It's really hard to like look back at yesterday's Iron Bowl and not think about the muffed punt that I don't think was muffed. I do not believe Keontae touched it. And Jarquez Hunter's uncharacteristic fumble that just kind of popped out of nowhere. He had 20, 30 yards of grass in front of them. Bama scored right after that muffed punt. If those two things don't happen, I think Auburn's in it with five minutes left to go. I think they're in it with five minutes to go. Uh, just, you know, totally being realistic. I just don't know if Auburn could have done enough defensively with the way defensive linemen were going down. That sure. it, it, I, I get that, that they would maybe get it close, get it to within a two-score game if those two plays go Auburn's way. I just don't know if, if that defense was going to stop Alabama. I, I think Alabama would have answered, even if Auburn would have come and made it a one-score game. I think Alabama yeah. was going to continually answer and pull away because of the talent level they have on offense, because mm-hmm. of Bryce Young, and because of Auburn's defense, to me, just looking depleted. And, you know, it, with the injuries, like I said, the defensive line playing the way it was and, and, and the injuries that were happening, the linebacker play, some of that stuff, even the secondary looked a little bit Take it, took a step back compared to the previous game. So I, I agree. It, it would have looked better probably at the end of the day on the score, right, on paper, on the scoreboard. It might have been a 49-34 game or something like that. I don't think Auburn was going to be able to do anything to keep Alabama from continuing to answer any score. Albeit, though, those two plays were big, sure. and I don't understand what the SEC office is looking at. Look, I get, and I am, I've said this, when Auburn benefited from what I consider to be Two egregious calls in two, t- 2020. I'm going to be honest. The Bo Nix backwards lateral, uh, you know, it's trying to spike it. And sure. I still I think Sean Sivers, Sean Sivers against Ole Miss may have touched that ball on the kickoff. That being said, I right. agree. I agree that so, – I've said it then – that officials make mistakes. They're human beings. My problem is, is you have replay in effect to overcome and correct the the, the deficiencies of, of human beings because we're all, we're all not perfect, okay? But when you go to the booth and they get it wrong, it absolutely drives me crazy because they have all the same angles that we saw over and over again that that ball never touched Scott. So w- why have a booth review if those clowns in the booth can't can't figure it out? I mean, I get it if you don't have a good angle. 
I get it if it's not conclusive. But that's about as conclusive as you can get, and the angle's good. Now, I'm going to say that did not cost Auburn the football game. I'm, sure. I'm not going to be one of those dudes. But it's just a, a smaller, I guess, symptom of a bigger problem. Get it right, because it's going to end up costing somebody a really, really, really big game. And so if that's the point, then don't have instant replay because or the, the review because they're not getting it right. Uh, sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that's well said. Other than uh, other than that, I, I think the big thing is, wow, these guys continue to fight. They continue to fight hard. Um, but still, like, none of these guys are excited, right, as we record this late Saturday evening. Nobody's pumped because they played well and they played hard, right? Um, Carnell Williams was a really touching press conference after the game, talking about how a lot of cool things happened over the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think Auburn fans would agree with that. Some pretty cool moments. That Texas A&M game will live on in Auburn history for a long time. We will refer to that game 20 or 30 years from now, which is really cool to think about. But it's like, man, they should have been Mississippi State. So I, I think that's the takeaway, right? It, it's like, okay, well, it's cool. They, they, they fought well, but like, I don't really know what that means other than, all right, love you, Carnell. Um, hopefully you have a spot on this next staff. I, think. I, I don't really know what else it means. Well, I'll I tell you what it means. Um, I think that it, it's really good at the end of the year to be reflective and look back at the season and look big picture. So what happened was, in my opinion, Auburn's football program was in the abyss. It was spiraling out of control. It was becoming, you know, the laughing stock in so many areas. There were some things culture-wise that were happening on and off the field amongst the program that was embarrassing. It was a dark cloud, and it was very difficult to watch and feel proud of and believe in that program. So what what changed when, when Cadillac came and took over is a belief change, the culture changed, and for the first time we saw glimpses of what Auburn football could be, what it, what it could be next year or the year after with the right coaching staff coming into place. So it was on the brink, in my opinion. I think there were a lot of things that could have went wrong. I think you could have lost more players. I think you could have lost recruits. And Cadillac salvaged some things. Not only did he salvage what was happening this year, I think he laid a foundation and made the arrow – change trajectory to up sure. from a positive on like on a balance sheet type thing. So that's why big picture wins and losses, you know, one one won some games, one won, won two games and went two and two down the stretch, um, put themselves in a position to to perhaps get bowl eligible. But I think he laid a foundation and 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 made the nation stand up and take notice that this is a great place to come play football. Yeah. It's a great place to coach. And so that's why, big picture, I think getting him in and what he did was very important. So a, a lot of things happened yesterday, obviously in the Iron Bowl, but I think a lot of people are paying more attention to what happened outside of the Iron Bowl. So I want to talk about that, Daryl, and also I want to give a nod to some of the players that we may have seen their, uh, play their last snaps in Auburn uniforms. I got to tell you about our friends at Upside. Inflation has us all thinking about different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, buying less from grocery stores, or you know, not getting that extra latte on your way to work. Upside allows you to keep more of that in your life. It's an incredible app, Upside is, for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, you don't have to cut back because you get cash back on every purchase. All you have to do to get started is download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 
you get $5 or more cash back on that first purchase. Then you claim an offer on whatever you're buying on upside. You check in at that business. You pay as usual. They give you a receipt. You redeem the offer in the app. And you take a picture of it, of that receipt, and then bloop, it, it pops up in your account. So download the free upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase using promo code LOCKED. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. They know how big a hire can be. Just like Auburn fans realize how big a hire can be, LinkedIn wants to help small business owners really get control and find the best fit for your small business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do this for free. All you have to do is go to linkedin.com slash college and post your job for free. They have simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. LinkedIn.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Daryl Daprich, our guest, as always, following every Auburn football and basketball game. So Saturday was crazy. I'm mm-hmm. eating uh, I'm eating breakfast with my family, and these reports from Pete Thamel and other national writers low with ESPN reporting that uh, Auburn is going to uh, essentially be pursuing Hugh Freeze. They've been talking for the past few weeks. And that is now kind of the leader in the clubhouse for the Auburn job. Over the course of the day, you heard other names pop up. Luke Fickle's name has not gone away with people that I've talked to close to the situation. Um, Johnson, who's like the quarterback coach for the Eagles, popped up out of nowhere. That's on message boards and a few other places. I thought that was interesting. I still kind of think it's going to be Hugh at the end of it, but also I'm the guy who's been kind of saying, hey, it's Lane Kiffin for the last two months. So what do I know? Well, I I just think that there's a certain amount. And when we look back on this, uh, giving some time and some perspective, uh, it may end up being, you know, what's best for Auburn, all things being said. But right now it stings. It stings because everything we heard from sources in the media, to other sources that are very, very legitimate that predicted and picked some other things that happened within the Auburn program the last month. It was it was Lane Kiffin. It was Lane Kiffin. So you get used to that idea. You get excited about that idea. And I truly believe until about 48 hours ago, it was Lane Kiffin. Okay. So yeah. So so we we get used to that. We get excited about that. And it feels like the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. So if this coaching search would have been a little bit different and a guy like Hugh Freeze or or Luke Fickle, or somebody comes in right out of the gate, you're excited about that hire. I would have taken you freeze three months ago. But when when the opportunity came for Lane Kiffin, and it looked like that was going to be the, the hire, and there were some fans from Alabama and Georgia and Ole Miss that seemed to be in fear of that hire, uh, it's, it, 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 it hurts. It stings right now. It's a, it, it's, it's a little bit bittersweet. And I'll say this. Regardless of what happened, and we don't know what happened with this whole Lane Kiffin thing, we've heard a lot of things, and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that are not necessarily have to do with coaching, I feel, as to why Lane Kiffin made the decision to stay at Ole Miss and not come to Auburn. Whatever that is, anybody, and I'm not trying to take shots at other locked-on hosts that come on your show, that kind of thing, anybody that says, ha, I told you, that's just a, a lateral move, is a joke, and is in denial, and d- isn't being uh, – they're being a fanboy. So I can sit here right now and say, look, 
Auburn may have done some things in this process that I'm not real happy with and, and not just blindly get on the Auburn train. But to think that this job, that's what's so disappointing. We kept hearing things about how this was a different type of coaching search. This was one for the ages. This wasn't going to be like in the past. Right now, even yeah. with Rule going to Nebraska, this is the best job out there. Auburn cannot afford to screw this up and settle. And so with you know whatever is going on right now as we record this, they have to try to at least hit a home run before settling on someone else. But at the end of the day, even that settle might be better long-term for Auburn. But for anybody to think that this is a, I told you so, ha, huh? this was Lane Kiffin knew Auburn wasn't a better job. That's, that's not being very uh, honest and, and it's a little disingenuous. There are other factors there that has nothing to do with the quality of the job as to perhaps why Lane Kiffin stayed. So Lane Kiffin and Liberty lost yesterday to New Mexico State 49 to 14. Absolutely ugly, ugly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Say Hugh Freeze. I, yeah. I mixed their names up a million times on my live show that is yesterday as well. <laughs> Liberty also, uh, you know, after they beat Arkansas, which was obviously a huge win, uh, Liberty lost to UConn, you know, 36 to 33. They lost their Virginia Tech 23 to 22. So not a great run for Liberty. Do you the narrative that we use for Lane Kiffin, right, was off. Oh, it's a distraction. He's focused on the Auburn job. Do you buy that here with Hugh? Or is it just, okay, some, you know, some coaches lose late in the season? No, I buy it. I buy the distraction, not so much as a coach, but I think players are human beings. And if they think or sense or hear that their coach might be moving on, it affects the way they play. And I think there are example after example to last night that happened in college football, you know, of, of these distractions and these coaches that have been mentioned for another, other jobs. It's amazing. All of them lost. Go down the list. Fickle, Lanning, Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina got absolutely his doors blown off by James Madison. I believe Coastal Carolina will be in the Sunbelt Championship game against Troy. They get waxed. Hugh Freeze. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin lost three of the last four football games he played in, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Alabama. You give grace with the Alabama thing. I think it's real, and I don't think it's so much about a coach being distracted as players getting wind that what's happening, and they lose a little bit of spirit and fight, and they just do. And if you don't think that that's the case, look at the difference the way Auburn played for Cadillac Williams compared to the way they played for Harson in the Arkansas game. Culture and belief matters. And I think players get wind of it. They're smart. They know they're human beings. And they just, there's a certain, I don't know, heaviness when they take the field. It it takes a little something out of them. And it, it if not, it's a heck of a coincidence that on Saturday, everybody that was mentioned for a job got beat. Yeah. And you mentioned landing, of course, his OC at Oregon, uh, Kenny Dillingham. He's now the head coach at Arizona State. So that's interesting. Uh, Hugh mm-hmm. Freeze talked about, um, the rumors of his candidacy for the Auburn job. He said, quote, for that to come out and I haven't been offered a job, but it was certainly hard to refute that report. It was bothering some people and I just hate it. I was asked directly by them, Liberty players, and whether or not that had to do, if I had anything to do with our flatness for sure. So, I mean, he's talking about it, right? Like he's, he's talking about the fact that, um, that Auburn's talking to him, which is interesting. 
I, you have to admire a lot of coaches in that scenario, Zach, are going to deny, 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 even to their players, or they're going to find a way to kind of go around it with a loophole. You know, uh, basically, they're going to answer that question differently than they would. They're going to find an out. Um, Hugh Freeze was very honest about it. And he, he went on to say, of course, I'm interested in the job. And I thought this was very telling. Of course, I'm interested in the job that everyone's talking about. And it kind of goes back to the point of how special this job can be um, and how how coveted it is. But he 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 was honest. He told his team, yeah, I mean, there's there's been some discussions, but they haven't made me a formal offer. So he could have denied it. He could have said, no, I'm lied to his team. He didn't. Um, I think that, again, there, there's there's so much out there now with social media. There's things that people have access to that normally they didn't have access to, peeling back the curtain a little bit. And these players, they know. they. I mean, we saw legitimate things on message boards and all that with Ole Miss players talking amongst themselves and Ole Miss recruits saying, hey, what's going to happen? So, you know, word gets around, and I think it's it, I think it's a legitimate effect, but I give Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze credit for not denying it. And, and, and he said his players came to him before the game, and I, I think that definitely affected performance. I, I do. Do, do, and, do you uh, think you know, Hugh Freeze talking publicly about it and admitting to media that he's talking to players about it? I get having the conversation with players and then not talking about it externally. Yeah. It feels just internal conversations. Do you think the external conversations? Because he hasn't really shied away from like, hey, Auburn, come hire me. right? Like He hasn't literally said that, but he's been pretty yeah. forthcoming in press conferences. Like, yeah, if somebody else wants to do this, you know, I've I've won everywhere I've been, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you do you think that's him kind of saying like, hey, you know, like I think I'm the guy for the job, or do you think that's just kind of the way he would handle it normally? I think he's politicking for the job. I think he's promoting himself. Yeah. I think he was uh, three weeks ago after he beat Arkansas, and he right. said, I don't know who, who they're going to hire, but I've won in the SEC. I've recruited. I mean, he's auditioning and politicking for the job when he does that. Look, we know that whatever happens – the guy can recruit. He's a very good offensive mind, unlike Gus. And these people that want to call him Gus 2.0, again, I hate ignorant takes like that when it's just fodder and it just sounds cool to say. Do a little research and understand that you freeze does adapt and he does change. So whatever he Gus didn't evolve with his offense in the SEC. When the SEC caught on to it, he had a very difficult time adjusting. You freeze has. He's a good recruiter. He knows what it takes to win in the SEC. Again, the narrative that, oh, Auburn would want this coach because he beat Bama twice. That's that's a bunch of crap. That has nothing to do with it. You freeze. I, 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 I disagree with you. I think it has a lot to well, do with see, it. Well, then that's – maybe – I don't think it I, should, Daryl, but I do. I think do, it does. Do you think John Cohen, who wasn't here and, and, and is it wasn't here eight years ago, really gives a crap if you freeze beat Alabama eight years ago? I think maybe a, an athletic director that was here then – but the mm -hmm. board of trustees, may, maybe, maybe some board of trustees say he knows how to beat Bama. Well, I mean, again, I saw a stat get thrown up there today before the Iron Bowl. The Nick Saban has lost to Auburn and LSU more than any other single opponent in his history at Alabama. And it wasn't just one coach that did that. It was right. two and should have been three. He should have had six losses against Auburn. So it's not just one dude that can beat Alabama. If, it, if history has shown anything, Especially at I Auburn, Chiswick you. beat him, Malzahn beat him, you know, Terry. But I mean, it, it's just, I, I, I get maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, let me just go on record and saying, 
if Auburn can, if one of the fifty-seven checkpoints for John Cohen is if you, if if the coach knows how to beat Nick Saban ten years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, I I, was, I struggle. I know how important it is to beat Alabama in the state, but I don't think that that should take such a high precedence over you know all these other factors that a coach can win and get you to ten wins and competing for championships and that kind of thing. I understand. I understand. I agree that it shouldn't be on there, but I kind of think it is. So, I mean, we, well, we, yeah, we can uh, we can agree to disagree that if, if it's on I, there. I get, I get it. Listen, and I respect your opinion. I guess my counterpoint to that be with how many times did Lane Kiffin beat Alabama? Right. And who was the yeah, number one sure. target? Him. And he, they, were, they wanted him. He was the guy they zeroed in on. He was the number one target. He was their boy, and he has never beat Nick Saban. Never. And I, so if I that's the you. case, you know, if that's the case, how much stock are they putting in to the fact that somebody beat Alabama when they wanted a coach that got smoked by him every time he's played him? Sure. You know, sure. And, and I think some of that's an Auburn thing, you know, bringing yeah. in Cohen, uh, an outside guy. I, I do think that's a great point. I do think that that's counter to that. But just that beat Bama that was painted mm -hmm. on the wall and the main thing, you know, for, for so long, it's just, Stop it. Just beat everyone. You know, just well, that's what I'm saying. That that's why Auburn gets called little brother. And all, I mean that listen, you beat Alabama on the way to beating everybody else. That needs to be the mindset is we want to beat a lot of teams and you're just one of them. Right. right? Don't put any totally. special emphasis on beating them. And then Alabama gets to go play in the national championship game in 2017. And Auburn's supposed to be happy. No. Mm -hmm. Just beat them on the way to beating everybody else. That needs to be the mindset. No, I love it. I love that. I love that. All right. I want to give a nod to some of the folks that may have played their last um, their last game as an Auburn Tiger, as well as get your thoughts on maybe some final predictions of who we think Auburn's next head coach will be, if you feel comfortable doing that. Absolutely. Uh, sure. This Yeah, cool. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, Daryl, I think it has to be that first touchdown by Robbie Ashford in the Iron Bowl. I think that was, it gave a lot of energy. I think it gave a lot of excitement, maybe a little bit of false hope going into the rest of the 60 minutes of the contest. But yeah, I, I think that first touchdown run by Robbie was, was awesome. I do as well. Can I give, can I give a runner up or what I feel like was a, a 1B in that scenario? Can I, can I guess what it is? Go ahead. Touchdown pass to Tavar? Yes, and the reason why is Auburn was down 28-7 and in a real, real danger point of the game of getting absolutely blown out. Yeah. That touchdown kept things competitive. Mm -hmm. That touchdown sparked life, brought back belief, made it 28-14, kept Auburn in the game when they were teetering and on the brink of that yeah. going to 35-7, and then when that happens, you know, it's a, the it's boat done. race yeah. could be on. So I think that right. that touchdown brought them back to within two touchdowns and kind of kept it manageable at that point. Now, I get it. Robbie Ashford's was huge because it gave them a lead. It gave them a belief. There was a, a tone set with that touchdown anytime you score right. first. But the pass, number one, that it was a touchdown pass that showed a tremendous touch was, to me, very big because of Robbie yeah. Ashford's growth and maturation. And then the fact that it got them back in the ballgame. 
when he threw that ball and it was in the air, I actually said out loud, I'm like, oh, he overthrew it. And then somehow yeah. the ball just dropped right there. It was, it was a, a great throw. throw. Yeah, It was a beautiful was. throw. There was just so much arc on it, and he's not that type of passer. I was like, oh, he overthrew it. But no, it was a great yes. throw. It was a great throw. This segment's been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. I wrote a story for AuburnDaily.com shortly after the Iron Bowl, Daryl, talking about where Tank Bixby is probably going to finish his Auburn career. He's going to be seventh all-time in rushing. The next, even if he plays a bowl game, he's like a one, he's like one fifty behind Trey Mason. And so like he's probably not gonna probably not gonna pass him. Um, so probably gonna finish seventh all time. And when you look at Tank Bixby and you think about all the great running backs Auburn has had, um, like I think he passed Brent Fullwood recently and like James Brooks and some other explosive running backs, like it's it's pretty cool. Um, the end of an era probably for Tank Bixby, and there's a chance Auburn gets into a bowl game at five and seven. You and I talked about that last week. Yeah, in fact, sure uh, it's starting to get predicted. Um, starting it to is. get predicted uh, Auburn to the Liberty Bowl to play Baylor. And y- you brought that up, then everybody started talking about it afterwards. So props to you for that. Thank um, you. But who, who are some other uh, who are some other Auburn Tigers that may have played their last uh, their last game in orange and blue? I want to go back real quick to the Tank Bixby thing. Understand this: that what he did is even more impressive to me than some of the people in front of him on that list. Keep in mind that he probably ran behind the th- the, the worst three-year period of offensive line play in Auburn history in a long time, okay? He did. There, the, 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 Some of the other running backs got to run behind some really nice Auburn offensive linemen or a scheme like Trey Mason with the RPO and going fast and all that. Tank Bigsby yeah. never had that luxury. He had – not very good offensive line play and a really predictable, difficult offense to run behind. And he still finished where he finished. So that is, that, that's even more impressive. What could have been, right? If Tank Bigsby could have ran sure. behind some great offensive lines. So I, I think that, you know, I think of guys like um, Nick Brahms, who, although he didn't play and he hasn't played all year, how much he gave to Auburn and Austin Troxel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if this is Derek Hall's, last go round. He gave everything he had with one arm tonight, right? So guys like that really stick out to me. Um, The offensive line, it's kind of hard to, I mean, I I probably should give more kudos to guys like Brandon Council who bounced around and did whatever was asked of them along the offensive line. I just feel like there was so much potential that guys coming into this program along the offensive line, and, and some of them seems like they've played since Ronald Reagan was president and, and didn't graduate. <laughs> and, and, and it just never it never seemed to get better. Now, I will say this. How in the world, whatever Will Friend and Cadillac Williams and Ike Hilliard or whatever schemed from the Mississippi State game till the uh, Alabama game, I think that Auburn had every game since then over 250 yards rushing since Cadillac took over. 
That's with an offensive line that was struggling. So credit to them for scheming up some plays that got – now a lot of that's Robbie. I get it. He had some quarterback yards rushing, but there was more running lanes too. You talk about uh, a rushing stat. Auburn put this out in their release after the game. This is the first time ever Auburn has had two 100-yard rushers three games in a row. I found that really hard to believe. Because we talked about it last week, how excited we were against Western Kentucky to see Bigsby and Hunter go over 100 yards for the second time in two weeks. They yeah. freaking did it in the Iron Bowl. You know yeah, what I'm well, saying? I mean, yeah, that, it, it was Robbie and Jarquez because Tank oh, okay. had like 63 or something that's like right. that. That's right. But to have but two, yeah, so, so it wasn't the same rushers. two, three times. But yeah, it was the first but it was time still a duo. Had, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Which is how did. Like, how did Ronnie and Carnell never do that? Like, that is that was shocking to me. That, that blows like, my mind. Bo yeah, like and um, Caleb and yeah, McCaleb and you know the, the dual threat running. Uh, dual Michael threat Dyer over with him. What yeah, about Bo and, and, and Brent Fullwood? Bo and Brent Fullwood. I, I mean, Good point. There's there's a lot that just that that's surprising. I looked at that stat that showed Robbie Ashford, Robbie Ashford, like fourth on the list of of freshmen. At running at freshman at Auburn, he had like seven touchdowns. It was like what fourth most as a freshman at Auburn. That's that's a stat that snuck up on me, right? I mean, that came out of no. You didn't think that with the kind of year that Auburn had that Robbie Asher was like top five in freshman touchdowns in the history at Auburn. Pretty yeah, impressive. And Jarquez is already forty first in rushing all time at Auburn. And so, yeah. I mean, another thousand yards gets you, you know, dang close to the top. I 10, really so. love the way he runs, man. Did he mature as a back this year too? Great things ahead for that kid. Yeah. Yeah. And they use him in fun ways, like a lot of misdirection tosses tonight, which was really, really fun. Yeah. And a few of them pop. One of them would have gone for 30 or 40 more if he didn't have that fluky fumble. And, you know, I love that Carnell went right back to him. And the next drive oh, after that, I think the next drive, what a big have... run that was too. that next drive, 25, yep. 30 yards, made some people miss, carried some people with them. Yeah, I love that, too. See, those are the kind of things that I see that I look at that are glimmers of hope for whatever coach takes his program over and what we're going to have to look forward to next year for Auburn football. There's a core there. There's a basis. There's a foundation. And yep. uh, I'm looking forward to it with the right people getting play. I apologize again for the. It always seems like there's an animal. I'm outside here doing it, and that's a blue heron behind me trying to get on the show. So another okay. animal on Wild Kingdom that you get to hear on this on this podcast. No, that I've been traveling all week. We're limping through this week, but uh, tomorrow <laughs> we should start getting back to normal, which will be yes, good, which will be good. Daryl, how can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy? Uh, follow me on Twitter at DAP sixty four ten. Uh, Auburn Opelika this morning with Ben Taylor on WANI Mondays from 7.10 to 7.30 every Monday morning. We talk all sports. I, I suspect we may have a lot to talk about yes. this come this coming Monday. Yep, yep. I think there will be a head coach by Monday. I think it'll be Hugh Freeze. Who do you think it'll be? I'm leaning towards Hugh Freeze right now, too. I do think and I do believe some legitimate writers and some sources that say before Freeze is officially announced, Auburn's going to make one last last ditch attempt at maybe another name, another candidate that's out there. That is, I hope it's Dan Lanning. Who do you hope it is? Dabo Sweeney. Be incredible. That'd be wild to see. I, I, and I don't. And I would be okay with Fickle. I would be okay with Fickle too. Sure. I think I'd rather have Freeze than Fickle though, because of the re- SEC recruit recruiting history there. I think I would too. I think I would too. Daryl, thank you so much for your time. As always, my friend, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. 
and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.